Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Well, while you were working, we are also busy working, looking at what's happening in the professional scene. As a major source of talent and productivity, women uh, are one of the key drivers, of course, of economic growth and sustainable development. In fact, recently, Minister for Sustainability and the Environment, Grace Fu, also said that companies will benefit from more women in leadership roles. We've been hearing this for some time and from so many people. But is it really taking shape? that way in the world in reality and on the ground. (laughs) Well, female entrepreneurs apparently are also a growing community in Asia. And as the push for a more balanced workplace and economy continues, how are female entrepreneurs and business leaders faring relative to their male counterparts? Well, LinkedIn launched new data that looks at the gender gaps in the world of work and how this, interestingly, relates to the growth rate of female entrepreneurs in recent years. Joining us to talk about this, Chua Peying, LinkedIn's APEC leader economist on the phone lines with us this afternoon. Uh, Paying, thanks for joining us. So why has the growth rate of female entrepreneurship here in Singapore been going up steadily? That's a good thing, right? Did the COVID-19 play a part in this? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Timothy, for having having me here. And I'm excited to share our latest LinkedIn insight with the audience. Okay, so yeah, tell us why you think this is happening at this point then, Paying. Of course. I mean, uh, first, first, I'll share some of the numbers with the listeners so they know what kind of growth we are seeing. So we are seeing that the growth rate of entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs in Singapore has increased steadily over the past five years. And in fact, it surpassed male entrepreneurs for the first time last year. Hmm. In particular, we also saw that it was highest during the years of the pandemic uh, in 2020 and 2021. So, you know, of course, there are many possible reasons for this. Um, but what, some, what our data is telling us is that firstly, the pandemic did take a harder toll on women's careers. So globally, more women do work in industries like hospitality and travel. And we all know these were really hit, hit pretty hard by the pandemic. Specifically in Singapore, we also had certain industries that were badly hit, such as consumer goods and wellness and fitness. And again, these are industries that also tend to have more women. So because of this, during those years, women might have been seeking out alternative sources of employment. Mm. And yeah, I mean, and related to that, you know, there was a need for greater flexibility as well during that time, right? Because it was really a challenging time for everyone but particularly those who had to balance between career and personal commitments and kind of reevaluate where their priorities were. So this might have been another another possible trigger. Mm. Right. That's and the thing, you know, in order for things to be equal at the workplace, society needs to address gender norms at home, right? I mean, who takes on most of the household responsibilities, even during a pandemic? You need parity at home before you can have parity at the workplace, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, speaking of parity at the workplace, we also we also see certain things in our data. For example, you know, it might this this trend might also be related to a lack of career progression because our data shows us that men are thirty three percent more likely to be promoted into leadership than women globally. Mm. And in Singapore specifically, this is this number goes up to forty two. You see, while it seems like a positive development that more women are becoming entrepreneurs, what is not so positive is that they seem to be doing so, or at least some of them seem to be doing so because they're not being given opportunities at the workplace. Not because 
of a lack of capabilities, but simply because they are women. I mean, we should want entrepreneurship to be a choice, not just something you turn to because you're not being treated fairly at work. So in this day and age, what are the reasons behind the lack of opportunities at work? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's many different ways that opportunity comes. Uh, some of our data shows us that firstly, as I mentioned, women are not being promoted at the same rate as men into leadership roles. So, you know, we see, we see a men are 33% more likely to get promotions into leadership. And in Singapore specifically, this number goes up to 42. And, you know, because of this, we see like, women start lagging behind their male counterparts, especially when you get up the, up the more senior stages of the ladder. And this is, this is something that, that you know, it creates, it creates like underrepresentation at leadership level. Hey Ying, I think we already mm-hmm. spoke about that. But the question is, why is this still happening? Why are women still being ignored or not considered when it comes to promotions? Ah, okay, yes. The reasons for this phenomenon, see? Ah, okay, yep, understood. So I think one of the things that happens comes from something that's called unconscious bias. And this can, this can stem during several places in, in, in several times in the workforce such as at the hiring stage or even during promotion decisions so you know let's say panels that are skewed to a bit more towards having more males on the panel rather than females that might be one one like unconscious bias that happens and that builds a barrier okay. and the second one is just you know just lack of awareness maybe insufficient training for hiring managers and team leaders to be able to identify such biases. All right, Peying, knowing what we know now, everything you talked about, about these biases of women not getting promoted at work, knowing all of this, is this a good time to encourage women then to go out on your own, do your own thing, don't follow the corporate ladder because you might not get far, it might be an uphill battle. I mean, Hmm. it's not a good thing, but it's an opportunity. Then you're just allowing all of that to continue. But it is an opportunity to get women to actually start out on their own do their own thing, be their own bosses. I mean, it's both good and bad, isn't it, Paying? Yeah, I mean, I, I always encourage people to just, you know, follow your passion. If your passion is an entrepreneurship, go ahead, take it, uh, you know, see where it goes. But there's also, I, I, I also believe that there is that there's opportunity and room within corporate to mm. help to close these gaps, to help to encourage women, to help to build uh, processes and to help to build an ecosystem that's able to encourage women to grow within an organization. So, for example, mentorship, right? Um, yeah, we, we can have different types of mentorship programs that help to nurture women, support them, mm-hmm. teach them different ways of managing up, give them access to resources, workshops, and just you know, build the next generation of female leaders. What about addressing those unconscious biases as well, head on? Yeah, I think the, the challenging thing about an unconscious bias really is that it's unconscious. So, you know, it comes from, so, so you need to, I think it first comes from building awareness yeah. that these unconscious biases do exist. And I think organizations can definitely conduct training mm-hmm. to, help, to help people identify that these biases exist. And, you know, and, and also help hiring managers and, and, you know, team leaders to understand how to identify and how to counter the, ma- how to counter the biases. Like taking a skills-first approach to hiring. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if you're really, really focused on skills, when you are doing hiring or promotion uh, decisions, then that, that, helps to, that helps to just bring out an ability-based approach versus something that might be, might be skewed by a, 
by a bias. Okay, well, we know this. We've known this for decades, that it has to be a skills-based approach when you're hiring people. But these are things, as you said, unconscious bias, things we cannot control, no matter, I think, how much an organization tries to control these things. They're unconscious. Yeah, but the fact is, if you put people in to bring it up to the surface, all of the unconscious biases, and make people conscious of their unconscious biases, it could actually work, right, Peying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to share a personal example here. Sure. Um, I was I was recent, well, not, not so recently since it's been a while since I could be in a physical meeting room with a lot of people. Mm. But there was once we were meeting someone and then, and then you know, people came in from, from, the, from the other counterpart. They started handing out business cards and the last person they handed the card out to were, was, was the only woman in the room. And that woman <laughs> happened to be... She happened to be the leader of the entire, or she happened to be one of the you know, main leads of the entire project. Mm. So I think that, that's one of those places where unconscious biases mm. come out and they manifest. It's about pointing these out to people and making them aware. Right, so that they can overcome them at some stage. Correct. The thing is, you know, you mentioned earlier that a lot of these women who are not making it in the corporate world or not getting what they deserve in the corporate world in terms of promotions are leaving to become entrepreneurs. While we acknowledge that, yeah, you know, becoming an entrepreneur is a good thing, it should be a matter of choice, not because... You know, people in the corporate world are not recognizing your capabilities. But what are the entrepreneurs in this field doing and how are they being supported? I know that you have some programs as well for them. Yes, absolutely. So I think there's, there's many different ways that governments and individual companies can support uh, female entrepreneurs. Specifically, what LinkedIn has done is that we've firstly unlocked some LinkedIn learning courses to help teach female entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs how to hone their negotiation skills, how to navigate and lead, and you know, how advice advice on how to get funding. Mm. So these are some courses that we've unlocked and they will run for free until the 23rd of August. You know, paying female entrepreneurs face biases even in the world of entrepreneurship because there have been studies lately that have shown that if you are a woman heading a company, the chances of your company getting funding are also lower than if you were a man heading a company. So how do you think biases in that arena can be addressed more directly? Yeah, again, I think as, as you've correctly mentioned, a lot of these are unconscious mm. and it's really about and studies, studies like the one you've just cited are really valuable, right? Because they put these out in the headlines, they make it, they make it very, um, they make it clear to people. Mm-hmm. And then once people see some of these, they start to re-examine their own behaviors, you know, the way they, the way they think about certain, make certain decisions. And then that, that eventually trickles down towards with a fairer ecosystem. So paying, controlling what we can control, the biases we cannot because those are the other side. So what can women do on their own, on their side, to make things better for themselves? How is LinkedIn being able to help support these women as well? Yeah, so I think one of the things that women can do is really to step up, to uh, be proactive in mm. creating, joining conversations, you know, and building their own networks. So for example, on LinkedIn, We've recently launched our inaugural Top Voices in Gender Equity in Singapore. So this features a collection of 10 females mm-hmm. who are creators, content creators and experts that who pub- and they publish really insightful content about the issues that women face in the workplace. Okay. You know, whether it's in business, entrepreneurship or beyond. 
And such such conversations help our members to share best practices and share their experiences and just creates a really great supportive environment for women. So it's better not to draw too much attention to the fact that, you know, it's all about gender. Like you said, you know, focus on skills, focus on capabilities. But I'm pretty sure that these women are making an impact. What other advice would you have for women who want to exist in a gender-neutral corporate environment or a gender-neutral business environment? So I think, I think the key thing is to just really be proactive, speak up, seek out opportunities, and and just go for it. One other thing I want to ask you, uh, Paying, before we let you go, what happened to that woman in that boardroom who got the last name card? Did she step up and kind of say, hey, I'm the boss in this project. I should have been handed the name card first. No, she, she, wasn't, she wasn't as direct about it, but uh-huh. she, did, she did mention, she did call out that, it you should know, be ladies she first. A, she is the lead and mm-hmm. she noticed that she was the last to receive a card. Mm. And that's a good example of how women can step up, I guess. You don't have to say, hey, I'm the boss, what are you doing? But, that's how a man would say it, I yeah. guess. But <laughs> Yeah, but that's the key, right? You know, Just because you want to be treated equally doesn't mean you have to act like a man. Being assertive as you mm. would as an good individual, yes. as a woman, should do it. And I'm glad that she did say something about it. Thank you so much, Paying Chua Paying, LinkedIn's APAC lead economist. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.